we did this campaign called breaking stereotypes and we did this campaign just with the regular people on the street and each of them spoke about a stereotype that they'd broken in their daily lives that campaign went viral not only in india but uh, even overseas we got covered by publications in italy pakistan france canada the world over we didn't spend any money it was just uh, something which went totally viral why do some companies succeed in driving growth while others fail how do some individuals advance in their careers to lead teams that change industries in the age of mobile These are the stories of the companies shaping the way we interact with our world and the people who drive their growth. I'm Mada and I'm the host for How I Grew This. Hi everyone, it's an absolute pleasure to have our next guest, Sachin Bhatia. Sachin is currently the CEO and co-founder of Bulbul. Prior to Bulbul, he was the co-founder CEO of trulymadly.com and the co-founder and CMO of makemytrip.com. Sachin, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, Mata. I appreciate it. First of all, let the audience know where are you located? What are you doing right now? We're living in unprecedented times. How are you doing all of this? Okay, so uh, I'm based in uh, in India, in northern India, outside the capital of Delhi, in a city called Gurgaon. Gurgaon is, you know, one of the key kind of startup hubs of India. so surrounded by lots and lots of tech companies yeah i think the lockdown's been uh, been rough overall for everyone we're very fortunately placed uh, you know mildly privileged in a way you know live in gated communities get essentials and groceries delivered to our doorsteps so really can't complain so on the personal front it's been great spend time at home spend time with my family uh, with mulan uh, which is our english cocker spaniel on the work front obviously it's been rough uh, lots of ups and downs but yeah that's really how it's been and you've had a, an unbelievable career so far you know you you co-founded make my trip truly madly.com and abulbol tell us about you know what got you to become an entrepreneur what was it maybe about your upbringing that had an impact on your or your entrepreneurial spirit both my parents uh, are entrepreneurs my dad used to run his own executive search firm my mother still works she's a florist so i think from a very young age i've been uh, you know exposed to entrepreneurship of a very different kind obviously that wasn't tech so i think that really in a way set the base for what i would probably end up doing you know in the future so yeah i i started my career with my mom i used to work with her delivering flowers awesome. as part of her business uh moved on to selling bottled water i used to sell bottled water that was my first job sales kind of you know hardens you and builds character right both physical and cerebral that's really why i think i am what i am and i you know i do what i do tell us about your entrepreneurial journey how did you end up at bring my trip truly madly how how was tell us a story i'm like very curious make my trip was conceptualized by gentleman called deep kalra probably among the most famous entrepreneurs uh, out of india and uh, i used to work with him in a company called amf bowling which is an american company we used to set up bowling centers and i think when he conceptualized uh, make my trip so i take zero credit for conceptualizing make my trip it was uh, completely deep's idea 
And uh, once he started Make My Trip, he got me on board to head marketing. But I think in those early days, one ended up doing a bunch of things. So that really uh, started me off on my entrepreneurial journey. I was with Make My Trip for 10 years, ran marketing for eight of those 10 years, last two years, uh, launched a slew of new products at Make My Trip, moved out around the time that we IPO'd in 2010. And then uh, took some time off, did a bunch of things, and then started, uh, saw a big gap in the dating space in India, uh, started Truly Madly, ran that for five years. It scaled till a certain point, but I realized it won't, you know, scale beyond, uh, at least not till, you know, I was kind of running it. And the joke internally is that the company is doing much better since I've kind of moved on. You know, the company's at 5x the revenues that I kind of left it at two years ago. Uh, runs profitably now. Nice small business, runs profitably. Very proud of having kind of set that up. And then uh, exactly two years back, conceptualized uh, Bulbul, launched it around a year and a half ago. That's really been the been the journey so far. And tell us a bit about Bulbul, right? It's a social e-commerce app. You guys also just raised, or I guess recently raised. Yes. It sounds like a awesome idea and also something that probably is working very well now. Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, Bulbul's more uh, a video commerce app. We realized that a lot of Indian users who've come online in the last few years, and you know, India adds close to 40 million uh, new users online every year. It's a very video first demographic, right? When you and I first came online, uh, the first piece of content that we consumed was really the written content, right? Yeah. Uh, what Indians consume first when they come online uh, and this is true even for people who've come online, like I said, in the last two to three years, is really the video content, right? That's the first piece of content they consume. So it's a very video-first demographic. Video is second nature to them. They like to be spoon-fed information via video versus reading product descriptions and product reviews. Video is a great way to introduce new products to people. It's a great way to explain products to people, be it unboxing, be it showcasing the merits of the product, assembling it, disassembling it, etc. Also, I think more importantly, video mirrors the way Indians shop, right? For you and me, it's a fairly solitary experience, probably shopping on uh, e-commerce, uh, traditional e-commerce websites. But Indians still love to go out and shop. They go to the bazaars, they go to the markets. So I think video shopping kind of mirrors that experience very, very well. It's very interactive, it's live. And so that's that's really what Bulbul does. So it's a video shopping app. So fortunately doing well, uh, we've got a great team, uh, a great set of consumers across the country and a great set of investors. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. This sounds really great. So, you know, this is a podcast about growth and you've had, you've worked with some awesome companies who grew, you know, you, you've kind of been at different stages. Tell us some interesting growth stories, some things that you helped launch that drove a lot of growth, some things that maybe you helped launch that failed miserably that people can learn from. I've had a fairly, fortunately, I've had a fairly long career and there are tons of stories and each would kind of compete with each other for being uh, a great growth story or a great story on failure. But I think if I go back to the Make My Trip days, we launched in India in 2005, and it, it was just with air tickets, right? That time, uh, at that point in time, uh, hotels and holidays did not really sell. Uh, I mean, nothing sold online when it came to travel. We launched with, uh, with air tickets. And uh, I think in the first few days itself 
you know, we got so many bookings just because of some seeding that we'd done in terms of the brand, a, a lot of word of mouth, because it was the first online OTA in India at that point in time. Uh, saw some crazy growth in the first week itself. And th- those were the days of paper tickets, right? They were not e-tickets back then. So one had to physically write those tickets. Uh, you know, all of us, I remember, were sitting in the office, writing tickets, putting uh, timings, uh, destinations, all of that. And obviously, we screwed up because we never anticipated the demand. And even though all of us were personally kind of writing tickets, we were never able to match up with the demand. So if people had booked a ticket for tomorrow, the ticket was reaching them after four days. It was pretty much a useless piece of paper back then. So while that growth was was crazy and interesting, but we obviously got a lot of flack from the public because tickets never reach people on time. And I remember we did this lovely uh, campaign back then saying that, hey, you know, give us a second chance. And uh, what we told consumers was that if you forget your wife's anniversary, she gives you a second chance, right? I love that. You know, if you forget to submit an assignment in college, you know, the professor gives you a second chance. So please give us that second chance. And I think that really resonated with consumers. And they did give us a second chance. And they gave us a third chance and a fourth chance. And they kept kind of buying from us. So I think uh, the early days are obviously always interesting, inspiring, especially when it comes to growth. Moving forward, if I look at Truly Madly, we saw similar growth in the early days. We were still not monetizing then. It was a free-to-use app. And uh, we did this campaign called Breaking Stereotypes because we were the first app out there, first matchmaking app in a way, which was not based on caste, creed, and religion, which is how a lot of matrimonial apps were positioning themselves uh, for India. Uh, And we did this campaign just with regular people on the street. And each of them spoke about a stereotype that they'd broken in their you know, daily, uh, you know, kind of lives. And that campaign went viral, not only in India, but uh, even overseas. We got covered by publications in Italy, Pakistan, France, uh, Canada, the world over. Uh, And I think that gave us that very, very quick impetus uh, and the inflection point to grow in those early days. That's always been very close to my heart. We didn't spend any money. It was just uh, something which went totally viral. Those are incredibly creative campaigns. Right. How did you come up with them? You know, I think it's, they're two of the most creative things I've heard when I ask this question. In hindsight, one can uh, give a very uh, insightful spin to how a creative campaign kind of became successful, right? But it's never like that, right? It's something you discuss, uh, you know, with each other, you're brainstorming. But for breaking stereotypes, I think I remember that the brief was very clear. You know, we wanted to do something which broke through the clutter. Uh, We were, like I said, positioning ourselves as a dating app for young Indians, as a matchmaking app for independent-minded, you know, people without, you know, in India, arranged marriages are very popular, where parents and families and siblings kind of get you hooked on to, uh, you know, someone else. And here we were, you know, totally wondering, and and it's always based on caste and religion and stuff like that. And I think the brief to the agency was that, hey, we are not about that at all. We are the antithesis of uh, what typical Indian matchmaking is about. And how do we kind of break that clutter? And obviously, we were we were bootstrapped, uh, did not have a marketing budget as such. And I think it's when uh, you don't have enough, that's when 
whether it's money or uh, you know whatever that's when the best ideas kind of come forth so i think that was really the impetus that the agency needed and they you know kind of thought through uh, this specific campaign and then i think once we got the idea we it was a visual campaign we were shooting people on the street and they were each talking about a stereotype that they'd broken and each of them were holding a placard speaking about it right and this was 7 years back yeah. and since then that format of communication has become pretty popular you one of the early guys to kind of do it especially in india you can still if you search for breaking stereotypes and truly madly on google uh, you will see images of that campaign and then you know even the photographer we got was someone who was who had grown up on he, uh, you know he was an orphan and he'd grown up on the streets of delhi and he became a world renowned photographer right he learned it himself he was picked up by you know one of the ngos which uh, which helps street kids etc so you know every aspect of the campaign was kind of thought through very very well and very deeply and that's what i've seen about creative stuff that typically works is that there might be a small insight but that insight is important right and the insight has to come from consumers it typically is an insight which comes from listening to people versus something that you think of uh, in a conference room and once you've got that insight then you got to drill down a lot and you know if you break up uh, a campaign or a communication idea you got to think through it then you you know you got to think through it very deeply think of every aspect and then think of how can you optimize every aspect right and i think we did that extremely well for breaking stereotypes and that really resonated and established uh, truly madly as something new something innovative so yeah, i think those are those are some of the you know successes i think failures have been equal if not more uh, i remember one of the things we tried to do at uh, truly madly was uh, uh, you know we felt that hey uh, you know people are dating people are meeting each other through us why can't we organize dates for them uh and you know recommend uh, based on their likes interest because we we got a lot of that social information from facebook about what do they like what kind of food uh what kind of uh, music what kind of uh, concerts and we said hey uh, you know one we use that for matching but second can we use that to uh, suggest places to date events to go to etc mm. and i think uh, that's a great example of uh, something we thought of uh, in the conference room it seemed like the right thing to do they fairly cursory kind of you know ask friends and family ask people in the office hey you know if we were to offer you places to kind of date recommend places to date gave you a great deal uh, would you go and you know obviously everyone said yes that hey this sounds like a great idea but yeah. you know we never dug deeper never really went out to tons and tons of consumers and asked them and sure enough quickly built the product around that and it was a pretty neat product right you once you matched we uh, suddenly popped up that hey uh, you know both of you been matched and here's this great deal uh, at a starbucks near you you know and, and it was a very uh, well thought through flow on the app right but what we realized it, it obviously bombed completely because what we realized is that while people decide to meet on a date they might decide on a location but once they get there they might change their mind on where they want to sit so they might have taken a starbucks coupon from us but they might have felt like hey let's go out for a drink and they you know kind of go somewhere else that's a great example of something you put a lot of effort energy you know did a bit of an advertising campaign around that and it totally kind of uh, bomb right so yeah that's Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when you told me about the idea, I was like, yeah, that sounds that makes sense. Yeah. But it's true. I don't think I've ever been on a date because someone suggested it's just kind of like don't yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a really interesting 
one. What, what I found interesting is I always joke with my friends that I don't know if I'll ever start a company again because the early days are so hard and just starting something from scratch, mm-hmm. it's just like hell. But you've done it three times. What got you to like keep starting something new? Some people maybe do it twice. Three times is definitely, it's definitely <laughs> admirable. Perspective having been through those the hardest time, it's like, oh my god, starting again. It's just no, I think that's interesting. I, I've been asked that often, and I ask myself uh, the same question very often. And honestly, I've never come up with a with a great answer, and I don't think that's going to happen even today. It's okay, you know. I think uh, Make My Trip was, was like a complete journey, uh, you know, right from starting it off to IPO, and that was a 10 year long journey. Uh, uh, but the journey had to kind of come to an end, right? Uh, so I think doing something else after that was the natural progression. I think somewhere uh, I felt and I still feel that while Truly Madly is a is a small success today and hopefully it will grow into a much larger company now uh, with a new team on board. You know, they've actually just raised money, uh, is profitable, revenues are growing, etc. But somewhere I think I was unfulfilled in a way where I felt that it didn't turn out to be as big as I I wished it would be, or it did not turn out to be as successful as it would be. And I think second, uh, you know, just the opportunity of, when I conceptualized Bulbul, the opportunity just seemed very, very exciting, right? Uh, So one way was to offer it as an idea to someone else, fund the person, observe and enjoy the growth from the sidelines. But I think as an entrepreneur, one always likes to get one's hands dirty. Actually, uh, when I met my co-founder, Atit, my co-founder at Bulbul, and I've known Atit for a long time now, he was looking for his next gig. He's also a serial entrepreneur. And I actually gave him the idea for Bulbul. You know, I had conceptualized Bulbul while I was still at Truly Madly, put it on the back burner for various reasons for some time. And I told Atit, I said, hey, Atit, you know, you want to do something? There's this great idea. And I'd done all the pilots. I had my business plan ready. I shot a lot of videos uh, and I gave it to him and I said, hey, why don't you do this? And when he, you know, slept over it, went through it for a day, he got so excited and say, you know, why are we not doing this together? And that's when we, you know, started whiteboarding it again. And as we were whiteboarding it, you know, just got totally excited again about the idea. So I think, yeah, it's it's just that uh, uh, there is a high, right? Entrepreneurship is a high in a way. It's a high. Uh, and, until you have that energy and the conviction that, hey, you can build something interesting, one just kind of keeps uh, at it. But yeah, having said that, I'm hoping this is my last gig and this fulfills whatever I want to achieve personally and professionally. Uh, so yeah, uh, working hard at this now. As an entrepreneur, there's so many places, there's so many things that come, so many fires. We have this joke that one of my co-founders is like our firefighter and we all have like different roles in the company. How do you think about your role and where do you, how do you prioritize or to focus your energy? Um, you know, I like to say that I like to focus on big things, but I think that's, that's never true, right? You obviously focus on big things. It's really about prioritizing. It's really about taking risks. Uh, you know, risks are really chances that one never takes, right? Yeah. I, like I said, I personally focus on big decisions, uh, strategies and the risks involved. But I think I need to have that confidence and comfort that I have the best guys working with me and for me who are dealing with a lot of the transactional daily stuff and solving for that, right? So I think I now, at least in my third role as an entrepreneur, take a slightly longer view and look at how things will shape up over the next few quarters 
versus kind of worrying about the current quarter and what's happening this week. Uh, obviously, you know, do your weekly reviews, do your monthly reviews, quarterly reviews, etc. But I think where my mind is really a little in the future, right? And I think that's personally now finally, you know, I've figured out how to manage that. Uh, it's taken me time, but uh, I think that's really what's uh, what's working for me personally and professionally is to take a slightly longer view. Uh, versus taking a very transactional day-to-day uh, kind of view. That's super interesting. I think it makes me think about my job and how I think about branch. So I think that's uh, that's really good advice. You know, this is a weird time for everyone. How do you think about the challenges that you see in companies today? How do you think about this environment? This is a time of challenge, but also could be a time of opportunity. Any advice you have for other marketers or other entrepreneurs? who are trying to like grow or get started in this time? Yeah, so uh, obviously, uh, you know, this is a bit of a black swan event. Nobody it's, could have, yeah. uh, you know, kind of planned for this. There's no past to like draw from, right? We've never... There isn't, right? Not in the recent past, not in our lifetime. I think the biggest similar event one could say was, uh, you know, the Second World War probably, right? Nothing so big has happened since. I think uh, really there are two ends of the spectrum, right? You know, there could be a quick vaccine in the next few months. Things go back to normal. We all invest in masks that match our shirts and nothing really much, uh, you know, kind of changes. Work from office again becomes a norm. The human race is fairly resilient and, you know, we stop caring and things kind of go back to normal. I think the other end of the spectrum is uh, that we actually realize and which is uh, which is where what I kind of lean towards is that how ephemeral things are, you know, just like your content on Snapchat, right? One has to be prepared for consumer behavior kind of changing and big changes, right? So, you know, there's a lot of talk I keep reading about, hey, People have become DIYers and people are making bread at home and that's going to change things dramatically. You know, making bread at home is not a life skill, right? It's it's a nice thing to do. Maybe you're better off buying bread from a bakery or from a baker whose kind of income depends on it. Baking bread at home is not teaching you much and neither are you, you know, saving enough money or, or taking a haircut yourself or whatever, right? So I think there is an opportunity for new brands to kind of emerge brands which are built around trust, brands which are local, brands whose stories, you know, resonate with that local audience. They know where that food is getting cooked. They know where that soap is getting made, uh, you know, uh, stuff like that, right? So I think we must be ready for changes among consumers, and especially in a country like India, right? Because what happens in the metros is not how things pan out in smaller towns and cities in India, right? Uh, So I think there will be uh, huge fundamental changes and we need to be ready for that. And as entrepreneurs, I think we also have the responsibility to act as catalysts to some of these changes. It's clearly interesting times. Will people buy that fancy Rolex versus buying the new smartwatch and keep changing those smartwatches every few months or every few years, right? Uh, So I think that's the kind of stuff we need to, uh, you know, those are the kind of questions we need to ask. And those are the kind of things we need to think about. And then depending on the space we are in, uh, depending on the space we are in, change our strategies, pivot, do whatever it takes. It's a very interesting time, I think, as you said, for fashion. The question is, like, are people still, is fashion still as important as it used to be? And there's like this, everyone's buying yoga pants. And I think it's going to be interesting if this lasts a long time, how will fashion evolve, right? 
Yeah, fashion fashion is uh, is clearly something. I was listening to a podcast by the Stitch Fix founder and CEO. There is so much happening uh, when it comes to fashion, how it's evolving. What are people wearing? Are they investing in more expensive stuff? Are they investing in ten dollar t shirts which they can use and kind of throw because they're at home? Uh, you know, uh, they're in front, they're on uh, Zoom calls or uh, Google Meets or whatever. So I think uh, yes, it it clearly has implications on when it comes to consumer goods. There are uh, tons and tons of implications on how consumer behavior is going to change. And then any any advice for you know our listeners who are maybe earlier in their career, who are thinking of maybe starting a company one day, uh, growing in their career and becoming leaders. What advice do you have for them, regardless of so less about the time now, but more about like how should they approach a career? And you know, see, everyone's situation is different, right? So the advice that i would give to my younger self might might not resonate uh, with someone else well let's let's start with that what <laughs> advice would you give to your younger self that's uh, a better way of phrasing the question no i think uh, the same thing that i was saying earlier right that one has to uh, play the long game and don't optimize for today i think that's the biggest advice that i would give myself and you know a lot of the outcomes that i've had in life would be uh, very very different but i think uh, the biggest advice really is that everyone has to make their own mistakes and you have to make your own mistakes right and hopefully kind of learn from them and you know don't beat yourself if you make the same mistake twice or even thrice right as long as uh, it impacts you less and less you will make mistakes i've made one can say that i've made the same hiring mistakes that i've made in the, my previous two ventures right but you know you you make them the situations are different but you uh, net net you kind of you know learn from these mistakes right it's cliched but never be scared of making mistakes never be scared of taking risks because that's really the best way at least uh, for an entrepreneur to learn right and that's the liberty an entrepreneur has you probably don't have that liberty in a regular job right but you have that liberty as an entrepreneur is to make a mistake learn from it in the grand scheme of things one has very little control over a lot of situations as we've seen with uh, with covid but i think how you you have control in terms of how you deal with those situations i think that that is within you right uh, and that's what one needs to look within and and kind of uh, try to figure out you don't have control over what the situation is but how you deal with it your attitude i think that's really really good advice absolutely yeah cool well this was awesome let's end with three fun questions our lightning round okay so if you had to delete all the apps and you only had one app left on your phone what would you pick well i would i would say bulbul but that won't be honest and fair i think one app that i wouldn't delete would be my notes app right the app where i take a bunch of notes you know everything else kindle you can read books uh, spotify you can go back to listening to cd's or the radio whatsapp you can live without whatsapp i'm sure But yeah, the notes app would be one app that I would kind of retain. Are you an introvert? I am not an introvert. No, I don't think so. I was just trying to like see if there's a pattern. How, about <laughs> half the people choose communication apps like texting, calling, and half the people choose things that where they're learning or taking notes or thinking. Okay. And I was like, is there are the introverts? But no, <laughs> I think I think it just seems like there's this pattern. So I thought I thought that's that's very interesting. If you had an app to talk to one animal. What would that be? My heart would tell me that I should be able to talk to 
to dogs, especially to English Cocker Spaniel, because I have, you know, <laughs> I, I have an English Cocker Spaniel, Mulan. But then when I think about it, you know, if Mulan was able to talk to me when I, you know, came back home from a hard day's work in the evening, she would just say hi to me like my kids do instead of jumping all over me and, you know, making me roll on the floor with her, etc. So, no, you know, uh, I don't think I want... Uh, I want to talk to Mulan, at least not in language, uh, you know, uh, not not in the traditional sense. Uh, I think uh, an animal that would be interesting to talk to is probably the whale, because they see things that most humans don't. We've, you know, we've gone to the moon and uh, satellites have gone beyond in space. But I think uh, the ocean floor and uh, the sea is still largely undiscovered. And I think what whales see, you know, it would be interesting to kind of, uh, and, and they travel great lengths, right? So it would be interesting to talk to whales, I think. And they are mammals. Uh, they have the same, uh, they can see, uh, they can't see colors like us, but they can see very similar stuff to us uh, since their eye, eye, eye structures are very similar to us. So yeah, I, would, I would talk to whales, yeah. Wow, that's cool. That's very interesting. And then one unlikely app on your phone that I think would help our audience get to know you better. Uh, that's that's an easy one. So I have this app called Earthquake. So it tells me, it pings okay. me, notifies me. And it's one of the few apps where notifications are on, always on my phone. Wow. It tells me uh, if there's uh, been an earthquake anywhere uh, in the world. I don't know why I have it. I've just been in a you know earthquake once in my life. So it's not as if uh, I'm particularly scared or whatever. But it's an app that I have. Wow, that's interesting. Is India like prone to earthquakes? Some parts, uh, northern India, uh, not very bad. But yeah, to some extent, yeah, there have been some uh, fairly massive earthquakes uh, in India in the last few years. Yeah, nothing devastating, uh, except one which was uh, in Surat a few years back. But yeah, most of the pings I get are for earthquakes in the US. Like, I think if my mother listens to this, she'll like gonna get this app because she didn't want me to move to California because of the earthquakes. I'm like, come on. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> okay, that that's that's interesting. I am going to tell her about this app. She's gonna love it. She has this mm-hmm. like love of earthquakes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's love or, but uh, that's a cool. I didn't even know there was an app that did that. Well, this was. Awesome. I feel you gave us a lot of interesting advice, some cool stories. You've had an amazing career and um, super grateful for your time today. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate, uh, appreciate the time, Ada. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this and share with someone trying to grow their career. Until next time, keep growing.